Morning, church. What a promise. That song is straight scripture, except we changed the pronoun from I will never, never, never forsake to you will never, never forsake. That's straight from the scripture. God promises us that. What a promise. If you turn in your Bibles to Psalm 46, Right there in the middle of the Bible. If you have a Bible, that'd be great. If you don't and you have a phone and you have a Bible app, follow along there. We have the points on uh, the Bible app if you ever want to, the YouVersion Bible app if you ever want to follow along there as well. Or you can pay attention to the screen and John will very ably follow along. The Word of the Lord from Psalm 46 God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters His voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Remember with me almost 16 years ago now, that Tuesday morning, I was in Colorado. I don't know where you were, but there was not a cloud in the sky. I was talking to my family in Pittsburgh. There was not a cloud in the sky. We were watching TV in New York and Washington. There was not a cloud in the sky. I woke up on the third day of my honeymoon expecting to go for a hot air balloon ride and and for lunch in Vail Village. But I couldn't get out of bed because I was glued to the TV. When I turned the TV on in the morning, I saw the, the towers billowing with smoke and remembered years before that someone else had tried to take it down on a morning with a car bomb. I knew that this was an attack. And I felt like I was in Psalm 46. The mountains were being tossed into the heart of the sea. You probably felt the same way. None of us knew what would come next. We would watch, but we couldn't speak. We, we, we couldn't do anything. All we could do was watch. 
September 11, 2001 was a defining day in my life. It's one of those memorable days that sticks out. For you, maybe it's November 22, 1963 or April 4, 1968. Or maybe for you, it's November 8, 2016. For me, I was seeing something as sturdy as the World Trade Center, something that has thousands of people in and out of it every day, something built to withstand hurricane winds and earthquakes, and it had fallen. For those of us that didn't lose someone in that attack that day, the symbolism of the attack was, was crazy. That was just more devastating. Something as is solid and sturdy and strong and trustworthy had, had, had fallen to the ground and it proved itself as what it was, not God. Maybe for you, your defining moment is not some day that the world noticed. Maybe it's a July day when, when you're going after months of trying to conceive and you go to hear a heartbeat and all you see on the monitor is a lifeless, grainy silhouette with no heartbeat. You're devastated. The mountains are moving to the heart of the sea. What you thought was solid and absolute sturdy, steadfast, trustworthy, ended up being what it was, not God. What is it that we put our faith in outside of God in whom do we trust? Is it a relationship? Is it our home? Is it our nation? Is it our money, our investments? We are all looking for someone or something that will prove to be steadfast, something permanent that we can always trust in. And sadly, with all of these things, they will eventually prove to be inferior to the steadfastness and the surety of God's sovereignty. Even the most godly and biblically-based marriages end when one person passes before the other. But there is good news. The good news is that God is a stronghold. He's a stronghold in an unsure world. We should fear nothing. He will always prove Himself to be worthy of our trust because He is a refuge. He is steadfast and he will not be moved and he is in control we should not fear so as we look at psalm 46 today let's look at the imagery that the psalmist uses as he affirms his confidence in the lord the stronghold the same imagery that that martin luther was looking at as he wrote a mighty fortress is our god the same imagery that we can look at anytime we see the world around us faltering and we need to feel peace because God is a refuge and a strength, we should not fear. Look at the first verse. God is a refuge and a strength, a very present help in trouble. David uses uh, the same imagery in Psalm 32. He says, you are a hiding place for me. 
you preserve me from trouble. God is a refuge. Think about after worship as our kids are running around and playing down here. And, and often they play tag and they're chasing each other. The child that feels weak and he's about to get caught, he runs into a circle of adults because he knows that they have hot coffee. <laughs> and his pursuers will not go in there because they will either, one, get yelled at, or two, have coffee spilled on them. It's defense. God is a refuge. It is a, he is a stronghold. He is our refuge and our strength. That same child now has some protection around him, and now he can go on the offense. He can leave that circle at any place, and he has a head start. He has a place where he can attack from. The strength is the offensive term. You have a place to retreat to and a place to attack from. God is a refuge and a strength. The psalmist also calls the Lord a very present help in trouble. He doesn't just call him a help. He doesn't just call him a present help. He calls him a very present help. That very present, it's one word in Hebrew, it's, it's a superlative. And if you don't know what a superlative is, because you don't know English like I don't know English and I had to look it up, a superlative, think of good, better, best superlative, super, the best. So if I were to make up an English word for present, very present, it'd be presentist, okay? Or as present as you can possibly be, God is very present. As I was writing this, I was sitting on a porch with my wife and her mother, and uh, the two of them were on phones, and I was on my computer, and my mother-in-law was starting to tell us a story something from Facebook that she was reading, and she got done, and there was crickets, right? Carrie and I were both in our screens, not really listening. We were present, but we weren't very present. The psalmist calls God a very present help. He is active in His presence. He knows every situation, and He knows when to jump in. A group of friends and I would go to a restaurant years back to watch Monday Night Football, and we had the greatest waitress. Her name was Heather. I think she's at Outback now. <laughs> I don't go very often anymore, but we'd sit there and we'd watch the game, and she would watch for our drinks. And if my glass got to halfway, she would bring a second Diet Coke, and so I would never run out of Diet Coke. I she was active in her presence. So where does the psalmist go from there? If we, He's a refuge and a strength, a very present help in trouble. This is a universal truth about God that we can trust in Him. So the psalmist says, therefore, because of this, we will not fear. And it makes sense. If God is our hiding place and He's our strength and He's very present, what else can we do but not fear? Or, to put it in a positive sense, we have confidence in our Lord. The child that knows his pursuers will not chase him into the hot coffee carrying adults. The, the, he has no fear. 
I know that I will never run out of Diet Coke during a game because I have confidence. With the Lord, we have no fear. We can have confidence because He is a refuge and a strength, a very present help in trouble. If we look at the imagery, the earth gives way. Though the mountain be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at the swelling. Now think back to that day. Could you honestly be there and say, we will have no fear? The image that the psalmist uses, the, the mountain, it's a, it's a symbol of order being, being crashed into the sea, which is a symbol of chaos. Remember back to Genesis 1, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and it's let the waters separate from the water so there's lots of water Chaos as God is creating. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And he said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered into one place and let dry land appear. Now there is order. The water is chaos. The seas are the end of the earth. Think of the damage that the seas can do. The creation account shows us that God ordered on the third day by creating land. The sea is always symbolic of disorder. Think of the times when Jesus is on the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. There's wind and waves, and only when they rely on him is there order. Psalm 104 tells us that, that God ordered the mountains in their place. So as we look back to Psalm 46, the earth, the order, is it giving in to chaos? Did God let the seas say, all right, we're going to take over the mountains today? Could the order that God has created be giving in to chaos? In a sense, yes but we'll get to that later. But really doesn't matter because if we look at the beginning of the psalm, we see God is our refuge and our strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way to the sea. We will not fear. When airplanes are running into buildings, we will not fear. When our nation is attacked, we will not fear. When the stock market crashes and we are left broke, we will not fear. In a miscarriage, we will not fear. Even if it's something that we can't even imagine, like a mountain being tossed into the heart of the sea, we should not fear, for God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. If you've ever traveled, you might be looking at, your, looking at me and saying, but I've seen ruins before. I've seen forts that don't exist. They weren't strong enough. How is it that I cannot fear? Well, God tells us He will not be moved. 
He won't be moved, so we shouldn't fear. If we look at the second stanza, verses 4 to 7, and I just said that open water represents chaos. Flowing water represents life. And the psalmist starts with this image. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Remember months ago when, when I preached and I talked about the tabernacle and the temple and that's God's dwelling place. Those buildings were not anything great until God dwelled in them. The temple was in Jerusalem. The place where God dwelled was in the temple in Jerusalem. And He provides life to that city through these streams, the Holy Spirit. We look at John 7, we see Jesus calling the forthcoming Spirit rivers of flowing or rivers of living water. He comforts His people in the city of God because God is in the city of God. They see all the chaos around them and they are able to be glad because they are comforted by these rivers of living water. They are glad because they are defended and strengthened by God. She, the city of God, will not be moved because God dwells in the city of God. In the, er in the verses before, we see the earth trembling, the physical realm, the natural world is collapsing into chaos. And here, in this stanza, we see the nations, the political, the societal world collapsing. Does it sound familiar? Do you feel it today? The Hebrew word for rage here that he uses as the nation's rage, it's the same that he uses as, as the ocean's roar. It's the same word, so the nations are raging, the oceans are roaring. The nations, though, you may be thinking, that's me. But the nations in Scripture, if we're, if we're ever reading the English Bible and it says nations, you can pretty much be sure that it's talking about the people outside the city of God. The Hebrew word goy and the uh, Greek word ethne are, are those outside of God's people. So when you read nations, it's, it's the people that are not God's chosen people. So what does it say? The nations roar. But what does the city of God do? She will not be moved because God is in the midst of her. The psalmist says he will help her, the city of God, the people of God, when the morning dawns. This solid, immovable God is the only one that can help. And it says he will help his people. This is a daily promise. This is not just the, the, the morning in the future. This is morning every day. He will help his people. He will not be moved. He will show His provision and His love every day. Though the earth continues to shake and the nations totter, He will not be moved. We should not fear. And then because God is in control, we should not fear. The psalmist says, Come behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. How many times do we need to be reminded of God's sovereignty? And these verses take all that turmoil and they put them at the hand of God. All the mountains trembling, all the nations raging, are at the hand of God. He is in control. 
And so earlier when I asked, could the order that God has created be giving into chaos? If the land and the order and the stability and the mountains are being thrown into the heart of the sea, the insecurity, the chaos, wouldn't that mean that His creation is not obedient to Him? Or could He have just created it and said, okay, it's good, and left it to its own pleasure? And then, and then the sea say, today is the day we're going to take over the mountains. No. No, it's in God's hands. He has done it. If you've ever done cross-stitching, I've never done it. My kids have tried. But if you've ever done cross-stitching and you've seen it from the backside, you look at the hoop and here's the fabric and, and here's the hoop and, and the inside. This is a mess. It's knots and strings. It's chaos. But if you look over the shoulder of the person doing the cross-stitching, you can see the plan. Behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolations on the earth. All of that chaos that was, that is, that will be, is at His hand. By observing His sovereignty, by knowing that He is the one who made the mountains tremble, the seas to roar, the nations to rage, the kingdoms to totter, we can have every confidence that He is in control. In 1993, the, the, the movie Gettysburg came out. It's like, it's like watching a war movie, right? A historical war movie. At that point in time, I was in seventh grade and taking Pennsylvania history. And as Gettysburg is in Pennsylvania, we studied it. And so I knew the parties involved. I knew the battle tactics. And most importantly, I knew the result of the battle and of the war. So when I watched this movie after studying it, I really didn't have to worry about the st stability of the Union in 1963, right? Or 1863. Even... <laughs> Even when Stephen Lang, who was playing uh, General Pickett, was marching 12,000 men across the field and, and, and you have this thing in your stomach, you didn't have to worry because you know the end of the story. I didn't have to fear. I had confidence that the movie was going to end the way history ended because I knew it. And absolutely, I could watch it and I can have knots in my stomach and I can have tears running from my eyes because I know that there are going to be 23,000 casualties those days. It's going to hurt. Brothers are fighting brothers. Mothers are not, or sons are not going home to their mothers. There's damage. There's devastation. But we know the end result, and so we can have confidence in how it's going to end. I have no reason to fear because God is in control. It's what psalmist is telling us to do. Watch the glory of the Lord at work. He is in control. You don't have to fear. 
Some of it is really going to hurt. Some of it is going to be devastating to you, to me, to us. But we serve a good God, and He is in control. As we look at verse 10, you just want to look at this for a couple minutes. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He's talking to us, to you, to me. In our fallen state, we cannot fix the chaos of the world. We cannot fix the brokenness of the world. Be still and know that He is God. The same words, be still, that Jesus used when He calmed the sea. Be still. We can't do it. We only add to the chaos when we try to fix it. But God is in control. He has that plan. He is sovereign. He has sent us a Savior whom we can put our trust in, who will redeem the earth so we can be free from worry. Maybe it shouldn't read, be still. You know, we see the words, be still, and we think, okay, let's read it that way. Be still and know that I am God. Maybe it should be read, be still! Knock it off! I'm in control. I am God. Have you ever yelled at your kids to be quiet? Like, like they're loud, like, quiet! Knock it off. You need to get louder than them to let them know that you are in control. God is in control. Be still. Knock it off. You are only adding to the chaos. I am in control. Have no fear. And as we look at how he reinforces the whole psalm, I am God. I am over the nations. I am over the earth. He takes the psalm and flips it backwards. I am God. I am over the nations. I am over the earth. If we really believe these things, what is the sense in worrying if we trust our God who is a refuge and a strength who will not be moved, who is in control, we should not fear. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your sovereignty. We submit ourselves to your will. We thank you for your word and, and how it teaches who you are. Lord, take our wills and make them yours so that we can have more and more faith in you. Show us your plan. Be glorified in us as we submit ourselves to you. In Christ's name, amen.